This is the Wealth Standard Podcast, the gold standard in all things financial. Hey everyone, this is Patrick Donahoe here with the man, the myth, and the legend, Chunga. Thank, thank you. Hey. How's it going? Uh, it's, it's going great, man. I, I'm, I am, uh, yeah, I'm already having a good week. You already. are. It's only Monday. Yeah, I know. And we're, it's snowing and you hate the snow. I hate snow. Um, I'm all the way done with it. All uh, right. So why, how, so how can this event of you loving your week so far well, there's, happen? There's, How's that possible? There's, well, I'm a political geek. First of all, you know oh, that. Yeah, I heard about that. Something happened over the weekend that... <laughs> there were uh, several things that happened over the weekend, Patrick. Uh, yeah, you know, I've watched every inauguration in its entirety since Ronald Reagan. I was wow. very little, and ever since then I've been fascinated with this process, the peaceful transition of power. Uh, you've got a guy. Peaceful transition of power. Okay. It's, well, it's really, it's, if, uh, think about it. It didn't sound, it didn't seem like it was that peaceful. It really, you, you right? But in other countries, they, they oh, usually true. take the guy and draw and quarter him or that's true. he's lynched, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> impeached. Impeached and thrown out. And then, uh, yeah. And so throughout history, uh, the peaceful transition of power is a very rare thing. But I, I thought it was just a, an amazing thing to watch, as I always do, when you have one man, walk up to the podium as the president. Another man walks in behind him, not the president. There's a few words spoken on a Bible and or two. Uh, I, yeah, exactly. And then that's it. And then you have a completely different elected ruler. Okay. So bust a rumor for me. Yes. All right. So rumor. I heard okay. that when uh, Obama came in, they played the na, 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 no, na, na, they played to Bush, it where? to Bush when Obama came in. Is that true? Oh, I, that I don't know. I'll, I'll have to look that up. I, that I wouldn't put it back. I know they removed all of the W, uh, the, when George W. Bush was elected after, in 2000. Think about this. I know this is probably earlier than what you were talking about, but they, uh, the, the Clinton staff went through and removed all of the W's from every keyboard. Are you serious? Yeah. I heard they like yeah. glued like all the toilet seats shut. They anyway. did not. You're okay, so we're gonna up. talk politics today. Yeah, we're a gonna talk bit. about well, yeah, there's the, a lot going on. The economy as it relates to politics. And yeah. I'm here uh, I'm here in political school learning from Professor Chunga. Well, like I said, I'm a political geek. I have done some consulting with candidates uh who will remain nameless. Uh, some of them great, some of them not so great. Some of them in the public eye that you would think they're brilliant and behind the scenes they're really not brilliant at all. <laughs> um, you know who they are, but I'll just leave it at that. But, but I, I love, uh, I love politics and I love watching, uh, the world class fit throwing that's going on around the country right now as a result of, uh, the election. So why do you, why do you enjoy that? Do you, do you like riots? Well, it comes, you know, what a it comes quiet riot yeah. closet fan. <laughs> hey, I love them. Mental health is a great album. Dude. I actually found like this t-shirt and I didn't know what quiet riot was. And then I like yeah. wore it to the gym and everyone started making fun of me. So I stopped wearing it. I, I think I can name all four members of quiet riot. Wow. Kevin Dubrow, Rudy Sarzo, Carlos, and uh, I've lost it. I got two, <laughs> two, two of the four. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, you know what I love really? If you go macro, I love the disruption. I love the change. I love seeing what can happen in just a few days when someone who is elected by the people has the authority to change things around, you know, positive or negative. Uh, for me, being kind of a fly on the wall, it's just interesting to see how immediate that change can be. Yeah, And I, there's already yeah. been a lot of it. No, there has, there's been a ton. 
And the people are, are still, I mean, you have that hashtag, he's not my president. Right. And you have a lot of, you have a lot of upset, upset people. So the disruption, I mean, often it's every, anything that is like that where it's impulsive, it, it, there's, there's an emotional tie to it. Sure. And we talk about that a ton here because, you know, really looking at the game of money, uh, the majority of it is, is understanding the emotional side of you and the logical side of you. Right. Because what the issues that most people get into financially is, is because of their emotions, right? Mm-hmm. It's because they don't have a framework or a foundation that will help mitigate that. Cause that's just part of who we are as humans. Yep. Okay. Is to have that type of framework, that context so that, you know, when we do have a very important decision, okay, we're making, making it based on logic rather than emotion because emotion rarely ends well. Getting into the political environment. I like this, I like disruption, yeah. right? Because it totally, you know, does, throw people for a world but here's the here's the fascinating thing this is what i want you to kind of get into sure so if you look you know the art of the deal i don't know people have not really i don't think people have read that well it came out it it came out what in the early early 80s and so i think a lot of people uh that are of a certain age younger people or people that are you know uh millennials are slightly older maybe even some gen xers Mm -hmm. if you get into business uh, I highly recommend that everybody read this book. Yep. It is a fascinating book to read, yeah. but I think the vast majority of people, Gen Xers on younger, haven't read it. Yeah, and I and I think if they did, they weren't. Maybe they would have still done it. But if you if you really look at you know his his theories, uh, and I think it's you know you see this in a lot of other uh, on a lot of other platforms. Him being is Trump, that's Trump, right, yeah, of course. We're about. Yeah, that's the title of the podcast. Sure, right, yeah, right. We're, yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, oh yeah, but we don't know that. Most people will find that out later. But anyway, right. the Trump, the, yeah. So Trump, he's he loves to disrupt, yeah. right? Because when he disrupts, most people are not prepared emotionally. Yeah, he disrupts them, gets them all flustered. And because he knows human behavior really well, he knows how to, in a sense, manipulate that. Right? Which has and been the campaign and been everything. was his inauguration speech. The, the Apprentice. I mean, you yeah. go look at every, really, if you look, look at what he's doing, it's fascinating. And the playbook is there, right? Mm-hmm. Can, but yet most people are just kind of succumbing to, you know, his, I don't know if it's his hair. I don't know if it's like his, you know, overuse of very standard words multiple times in a sentence. I mean, it could, I don't know what it is, but it's one of those things where it's just, it's fascinating to watch. And especially because of the reaction uh, that occurred yesterday, right? And the march that took place. Well, he, I, I've had the pleasure, uh, certainly don't want to be a name dropper, but I've had the pleasure of interviewing him a couple of times. Oh, wow. And Ivanka okay. both. Mm. And was taken by how completely normal they are, how completely rooted down to earth, how very, very understanding of human emotion and human nature. You would think somebody with his stature and his wealth, uh, he would be in a bit of a bubble and wouldn't have a a common rudimentary Mm. working knowledge of a middle class American. Well, Well, he does. Well, I did. So I did. And you weren't you uh, weren't here at the time, but I did uh, an interview with uh, Junior Donald Trump Junior. Oh right, right. So I flew down to to Florida. I've seen it. I watched it. Yeah, and it was it and it was it was neat because I got to to meet him, and he's uh, similar age as I am, has kids, and it was it was is one of those like just down to earth. You were surprised, weren't you? I was really surprised. I was it's one of the first times in a long time that I've been like really really nervous. Yeah, Um, but he was he was a really really cool. The interview went really really well um did you did you leave the interview thinking that that anything that he did was contrived or phony no 
No, and it was a very it was very standard. I mean, how they had that whole thing set up, right? He had, you know, he, it's basically just a you know corporate review, and they review a business, and they yeah. talk about different ideas, and I mean, it was very standard to that. But you know, other than that, just the interaction we had personally with him before the actual show and after, right? It was it was like it, I mean, it wasn't like my best friend, but it was more of just very very cordial, very down to down to earth. Well, so. when I when I uh, when I interviewed him, uh, I left feeling very positive feeling like he was a very genuine guy but i also there was a book i read years ago uh about an author that was embedded with a unit of special forces green berets in afghanistan and the book is called the masters of chaos okay and what you have are a bunch of guys that are always understaffed always underfunded always trying to kind of make do with what they have Mm -hmm. and their whole purpose is to get in work their way in somewhere and disrupt everything from the inside out Mm -hmm. and when i walked away from my interview with trump i went he's a master of chaos Mm -hmm. that is his philosophy with everything he does is he works his way in he ruffles a lot of feathers and he disrupts from the inside out and that's exactly what's happening here with him he's he's run this modus operandi through the campaign and now he's doing it just in the first couple of days in office yep. and i honestly think it may actually work <laughs> well and that and that's where i'd like to you know throw some wrenches at that because yeah. i you know because i i agree you know he he knows what he what he wants i don't think he realizes the unintended consequences so it's kind of like what happens when a dog catches its tail yeah well, thing. yeah because it's kind of like he it's not like he has this you know blank this clean slate yeah right? he has this you know, he's he's starting from scratch. Yeah. He you know, has a canvas that's perfectly white and has all this paint. He does it right. He's no. He's, he's yeah. He's receiving a. I don't know. And I, what I would consider a very misguided eight years of uh, of of politics. Yeah, I don't know that you could call it a mess. A mess may be a bit dramatic, but I would call it something that's static and not responding. Yeah. Uh, unresponsive. I don't, yeah, and even the complexity of it. I mean, I, and mm-hmm. with him, you know, he understands he understands business, right? He under he understands departments and people and culture, and it, on a certain scale. Okay, but this yeah. is this is it's a it's such a massive scale. I I don't know how the how his initiatives are going to how people are going to respond to that. How markets are going to so respond? So how countries are going to respond to do that? Do you think he knows, or do you think he has absolutely no comprehension? I think and so he has he's going to get into the office think, and realize how hard it is. I and, think he has an I I think he has an idea, and and I don't know. It, I could be completely, completely wrong, right? I, uh-huh. I don't have as, as much experience, you know, looking at what presidents do and coming on board. Right. But looking at really what he's trying to do, like the, like he did this morning, he, he went in and did an executive order, which is also very kind of interesting where his people whole inaug- hate executive orders, by the way. Yeah. Cause that's the, it's like he did the inaug- inaugural, you know, inaugural speech and which is now called the uh, American carnage speech, but he's like, I'm giving, you know, back to the people it's, but then he goes in and does an executive order, which is like, uh, you know, the people is going through the proper channels and going through Congress and yeah, that's a people process, but he just did what Obama was doing. Like I'm going to do this executive order. You know, anyway, that was interesting. But I think with, you know, uh, because the Trans-Pacific Partnership, that, that wasn't, you know, Which really... was struck down. As of this recording, it was he basically killed it this morning, yeah. which he he did promise to do in his campaign. And it would, I think it would have been killed anyway, because it really, 
I don't know. It, Obama worked on it for a long time. It was his, one of his pet causes. Yeah, yeah. but it wasn't, you know, I don't think Congress would have, because Congress needed to pass it, and I just don't think they would have, you know, been. No, well, not with, a, the with a Republican controlled uh, majority. For no. sure. But then looking at NAFTA, which is, I think, in my opinion, just Mexico, it's not Canada, but looking at NAFTA, like, well, what are your thoughts on NAFTA? Let's, you know, be, you being the no. economist you are, the CEO that you are, what, uh, no. I hear good and bad about NAFTA. What do you think about it? Well, it depends. I mean, it depends because it's very ambiguous at this at this point, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, looking at trade agreements, that's what he's talked about on the campaign trail, and I think they're you know looking at trade. It's one of those things where our economy right now is based on what our trade agreements are, right? Right. Looking at how much business we do in China, and then they reciprocate uh, through a lot of our bond buying, right? They mm-hmm. buy a lot of our debt. They're, a lot, they're selling a lot they of it right now. They buy a lot of our property, too. They buy a ton of property, but they're, buying, right. they're selling a lot of debt right now. I think they sold like Five hundred billion dollars worth of treasuries a couple couple weeks ago, but anyway, my my point is, it's like you know, you start to and I've, and you know, China wasn't involved in, in the TPP, but you know, you you look at you know, if you mess around with them. Okay, mm-hmm. where you mess around with these other countries, mm-hmm. there's there's probably some unintended consequences. There's going to be pushback for sure because if you start to you know take a lot of you know manufacturing and you know the physical labor type of jobs and have them here, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's more expensive labor, and that's going to have you know an effect of higher prices. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I don't know. It's it's one of those things where right now we have a, a decent trade deficit with Mexico, and I don't know what the agreement is going to be, but. Mexico makes a lot of things for the U.S. They have a ton of plants. They do a ton of auto manufacturing. Who knows what's going to what's going to? Well, there's a lot of people that are very nervous. I know that Trump is scheduled to meet with Pena. I think tomorrow, maybe maybe the day after. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's also going to meet with Trudeau up in Canada Mm -hmm. uh, this week, uh, specifically to deal with NAFTA. Um, a lot of people say, well, look, if you start cutting back entitlements and you start cutting out pork and you start cutting back wasteful spending, mm-hmm. you can incentivize these companies to do business in the United States mm-hmm. and subsidize those cost increases so that it's worth it to them. Yep. So that the iPhone isn't $2,000, things like that. I don't know how realistic it is, though. I, I think we're all kind of waiting to find out to see if it's true. Possible. And I, and I just think there's another, there's another side of it, which just, which is the, the, the fiscal state of our of our country, we're not in a very good we're very situation fragile. when we're it comes. Fragile. No, it was cool. I mean, what he he did, you know, I think he actually officially made a a freeze on hiring federal jobs. I think that's I, oh, I, did he, he? I didn't hear that. I think so. I think he did a federal a federal a federal freeze, and you know, he wants. But but again, you look at the amount of spending that's occurring. I mean, that's just an insane, it's an insane amount of money. And the debt that we have, it's a tremendous amount of debt, which keeps rolling over. And if it's rolling over, there has to be someone to to buy it. Uh And if you look at these big buyers, And so your concern is, is that if he angers too many of these foreign leaders, they're not going to, they're going to unload their debt. They're going to unload their debt. And that's not good for the U.S. potentially. Well, that's something no one is talking about. So there's a very interesting element in this podcast because you don't hear about that in the press. Mm-hmm. You don't read about it in the papers. What are these? Because, you know, China just they've remained silent through the entire mm-hmm. uh, campaign process. But now that he's elected, they're being very, very yeah. vocal and saying, and no, you won't do this. Yeah. You won't do this. You won't do this. And they're probably saying stuff. Maybe the the media isn't picking it up. I, I, I don't know. And, it, and my thing is, this is just this is just me looking at it. I try not to pay too much attention to it because these are things that, you know, they're they're kind of of interest to me. But at the same time, the more I look into it, it's just 
it's conjecture. It's like, what's going to happen? I don't, I have no idea. This could happen. That no. could happen. It's fascinating to see how he does it. Well, but, and it goes back to what started this podcast. That's why I find it so fascinating yeah. because you have a bunch of very learned people, yourself included, yeah. that are all kind of scratching their heads going, man, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. And that breeds a lot of fear. Yeah. It, it breeds a lot of fear in every different direction. Uh, you take a look at the temper tantrums that are being thrown around the world. I know. Uh, all weekend long. Yeah. And I under, it you know, blows in, me away. And in a sense, I, I sympathize. I mean, I sympathize with why they're doing it. I understand why they're doing it. But at the same time, I look at it and I'm like, I, I get it. You know, I get it, but it's, what is it going to, what is it going to do? Like, what, what is the end objective? What do you, what do you hope to accomplish? And by I, I just don't think they're, they're feeling a fire in a sense. And I, I think that they're just, there's not much being accomplished. And I, but at the same time, I look at, you know, really our society these days yeah. and, they they're they're dependent on on parties they're dependent on groups they're dependent on people other than themselves Thank for the, you. For their, yeah, okay you just made you just made the point that i wanted to talk about yeah for their for their well-being right and i and i don't i don't like that right cuz i i think that everybody you know, for, wants a daddy patrick everybody wants a daddy no and i, I and i think we're kind of conditioned as human beings to to be that way right i think we're conditioned in a sense to be in a family to be in a group to be in a society sure but at the same time, you have to really draw the line with dependence and independence. And I think we have a very dependent society, right? Even though, you know, it, it, our whole country started out with a declaration of independence, we become very dependent. We be- become dependent on, you know, a status entitlements. quo, entitlements. There's uh, welfare programs, uh, social benefits. I mean, it's, and, you know, and I try not, I don't want to be, you know, obtuse, but at the same time, I think you know there the line is far past oh, where it should right. have been. It should have been drawn. Oh and, no! You're, listen, you've yeah. spent you're, you're a well traveled guy. I have worked a lot, a lot over the past couple of years in Europe, specifically in France uh, and in Sweden and Switzerland, highly socialized countries where these people depend on the government for largely everything, mm-hmm. and all it's done is make their country crappier mm-hmm. i'm sorry it, i know there's a lot of people out there that kind of support this this mm-hmm. uh ideology but it, it, spend some time there a lot of people in france you know what they do they go to college they get great grades so they can do what so they can leave mm-hmm. because they they don't want to they don't want to stay in that kind of an environment and that that's happening all over europe mm-hmm. and i see similar things happening here and uh with entitlements and and this is why you have the protests that you're having right now it's not it's not some great cause i'm sorry i know this is going to ruffle a lot of feathers and this is why i can say it mm-hmm. and people will think i'm colorful <laughs> where you yeah. the you know the smart guy the economist can't do this uh but a lot of these guys they've been conditioned to social issues uh people that are younger all they've seen for eight years is social issues yep. uh con- connecting with your inner self blah 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 mm-hmm. blah goes on and on and on uh but that doesn't make the wheels of government or the wheels of commerce spin no ever. and that's what i would say is is i because i and that's where i understand because i you know there's certain parts of that i agree with and certain parts i disagree with because okay you know i think that's it's good to be socially involved. It's it's good to care about people. It's good to you know, sure, hum, human rights are, are are a good are a good thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, it comes down to your your actions and what you accomplish with them. And I look at you know going and doing a march. Um, it's bringing awareness, I, I would say, but is it really it's gonna, an American? It, it's an American. Tr- it, it is. And I like the, the, uh, the freedom to unite and to gather and to, is beautiful. And to protest I think it's is, a beautiful is, thing. is awesome. And we can do that without being, you know, shot or without right. being, you know, put in, put or incarcerated. Right. Um, well, I won't go down that because 
people kind of are in a sense, but it depends <laughs> well, on where you are and what you're protesting. Sure. But, you know, I would, I would say, I would say that, you know, you look at really the influence that you're trying to have there and there are better ways to do it these days. And, and that's where it's, you know, we try better ways to protest. No, better ways to be influential. Okay. Right. All right. And I think being influential, you know, really it comes down to uh, what you have control over. And I don't think, I mean, do protests influence people? I think it, it depends, right? But in the end, I think individuals, if they really, you know, look at the thing that they can do the most or have most influence over, it's, it's themselves and what they do for society, what type of value they create. And, and I don't think it has to do with a collective or a group. I think it starts with the individual. Well, you know what I said? I was on the radio. I was doing morning, uh, morning radio at the time that Obama was elected the first time and the second time. And I said the same thing both times. I said, A, give the guy a chance. Uh, you have to be willing to accept this guy as a fairly elected leader if you are not one of those people that supports him. Mm-hmm. I personally was not an Obama supporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I said, look, the, the fastest way for you to be okay and the fastest way for somebody that you are not in favor of to become completely inconsequential to you mm-hmm. is to work hard and make more money. That is the single fastest way for you to not have to worry about what a president is doing Mm -hmm. or what your senators are doing. And there are different things. There are different factors. I get it. I totally understand. But if you work hard, you can always overcome any of those things with money. I'm a capitalist, dude. I like, you know, Mm. money is where it's at. It certainly is not the cause of happiness, but it sure makes things a lot easier. Yeah. Well, I I look at just, you know, the the protests and I, I think when it's emotionally charged, that that's where I think the line the line is drawn. That's where I, that's where I was going because I think being influential in a political environment uh, is is possible and it's done all over the place. I mean, there's a group that's local here called uh, the Libertas Institute that I support, mm-hmm. uh, and Connor uh, Boyack does it very very well, and he has a good group with him. Mm-hmm. But they you know they form these educational. I'm gonna look these guys up. Yeah, you ever heard of them? I, well, I've, I've kind of heard about them, but I haven't really spent much time with them. Yeah, so last year they did a lot with you know just showing the benefits of uh, medical marijuana and cannabis, and you know there's applications there mm-hmm. uh, that are you know that are are helpful, right? But yet they didn't, they still didn't pass anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did a lot of civil forfeiture uh, lobbying too, where police can just pull you over and take your stuff and and sure. confiscate it and sure. So it sounds he, like an Eastern Bloc, uh, I know. you know, well, they do. I mean, it's insane how much they do, too. But he but he, you know, he brings awareness to it. And also, you know, he does these all these seminars that teach people um, how to properly uh, not protest, but properly be influential. And if mm. you if you do it that way, you remove emotion from the equation. But that's what most people realize. If you get irate, if you get pissed off and you're negative and angry and have animosity towards somebody. You know, it's not like a politician is going to be like, you're right. I'm wrong. I will give you what you want. I will resign immediately. That's that's not how it works. Right. Sure. And I think that, you know, looking at the, the proper, you know, the proper way to do it. It's it's not the way most people do it. They typically emotionally react to it, which I understand. I mean, it's like you get riled up and, you know, well, Donald Trump hates women and you get riled up and, you know, he did this to that woman. And that's the, I mean, I understand where it comes from, but oh, the valid. reaction yeah, yeah, and the reaction to it, 
I would say has to be much different if you want to have any type of influence. I agree completely. Yeah. All the dramatics, yeah. all of the. But it goes, no! this, but this is like, I mean, this is this is life one hundred and one. I mean, I think the the thing in business to understand is how to weigh the the rational side of you and the emotional side of you. Uh, same thing in investing. Uh, same thing being a parent. Same thing a friend. Right. Is if you just, you know, react impulsively to emotions, mm-hmm. nothing ever good comes from that. Right? right. Name something. Maybe there's a few. I'm not going to say everything and, and be absolutely. You know, I would about say it. there would probably be one and that would be just self-defense. You know, mm-hmm. yep. just just having to defend yourself and drawing upon that emotion to protect your own safety or the safety of levels. But yeah. I, I think yeah. that would probably be the only thing. And even yeah. then, the, the more calm you can stay, the better things are going to go. Yeah, that's and that's, that's so, where you're able to think through it and be rational clearly, and, be right. criti- and critically think through it. But, I, you know, in the end, in the end, I would I would say that it's going to be, a, I think, this entire presidency is going to have signs of what we've seen in his campaign yeah. and what we've seen over the weekend, where he's just going to rile you up, get you to emotionally react, and he's going to capitalize on well, it. Well, he definitely <laughs> did do that in the inauguration speech, and I was a little disappointed. I didn't like the inauguration speech. You didn't, yeah. Uh, I'm one of those people, maybe I'm old-fashioned, maybe I'm you know naive, but when a president makes his first speech as a president, I think that needs to be very inspirational, very uplifting, and very unifying, mm-hmm. and this was more, you know, he had months and he said for months that he was practicing the speech and had been rehearsing it and rehearsing it and rehearsing it and reworking it. Wow. And, uh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. And they said that he had practiced it with a teleprompter and it was a, a very big deal. And then he came out and gave it and, it, and I thought it was very... Um, I thought it was unbecoming of a president, yeah. to be honest with you. I thought he could have done a much better job, yeah. uh, which uh, which was too bad. And, and again, I don't think it did a single thing to unite anybody. But you know, whatever. It's I, it's his rhetoric. I mean, he he kept on the same train, but I just don't think that that's not his strategy. I don't think his strategy is to like get people to like him. I think Obama's strategy was that. Yeah. He wanted people to like him. He, and he was a very attractive character. He was. And he got a lot of people to like him. Smooth, but, it, but, but in the end, so it, burned, it burned him yeah. because he had tons of unfulfilled promises. And I loved to listen to him in the beginning. But then toward the end, it was like, you knew that what he was doing versus, or what he was saying versus what he was doing, there was a lot of contradiction there. So with Trump, I think he's just, I think he's just trying to do what he's always done, which is he says things with very specific intention. Yeah. And his intention, I think, is, you know, what we talked about a moment ago, which is he wants to disrupt. He wants to get people because right now, think about what Mexico is thinking. Right. Think about what Canada is thinking. Think about what China is thinking. All yeah. these places, because of what he has said, right. they're either reacting emotionally or they're acting ra- reacting rationally. And they're. And I would say that a lot of them are afraid and they're going to come to a negotiation table okay, with an emotion. He's going to come in with all the cards. Do you think is Yeah. Okay. So that, that was my question. Do you think his intent is to get them acting emotionally so that he can then come in and go, hey, 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 I'm your friend. Look, let's make this work. And then he's the guy that not only got them riled up, but he's also the guy that's calming them down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you know, it should be interesting. It's a a really good strategy. I'm sorry. No, it it, It is. It is. And so I I would say that, you know, right now that's just my, that's my take on it. That's what I, and it might be totally wrong. He may go in and he may be their friends and, you know, kiss babies and shake hands and who, 
Who knows? Well, there are some parallels. I, I, I am seeing some parallels between the reaction to Ronald Reagan being elected in 80 and then inaugurated in, in January of 81. Hmm. Uh, there are some parallels. Reagan was hated. He was not looked at as a legitimate president. He was looked at as an actor and a yeah. kook and somebody who couldn't get the job done. Yep. And now he's revered as one of our favorite sons. I am mm-hmm. seeing some parallels there, but he also had a much better ability to communicate and a much more even temper. Yep. So well, I think also it's like you look at, you look at Obama and, and specifically Michelle Obama and they, yeah. they became this, you know, these, uh, just spokespeople for the millennial generation. They, people, they won people's hearts. And, and I think they won them because the hearts were vulnerable, right? The younger hearts, the younger minds were vulnerable. Well, they felt like they were forgotten. I think that in no small part was the reason Trump was elected by a different life group of people. 100%. Felt like they were and forgotten. that's where there's this like, I, it's so, Trump is so different. Mm-hmm. Okay. He has an, uh, a European, wife and it has a very strong accent that you know plagiarized or you know she used Obama I think, you know what this is this is my t- this is my take on uh, Melania and then him and his hair and his like talking points it's just like hey, they're cartoon characters yeah, and it's but it's like on the other end of the spectrum to Obama I feel it's like Melania has uh, Charo disease you remember Charo? Charo no Charo, Charo Charo okay for those of you who are way too young to remember this Charo <laughs> was this uh, was this Latin mm. performer, and she was always on like the Love Boat, and she was on all these seventies episodic TV shows, uh-huh. and she was in this country for like ninety years, yet barely spoke a word of English. That that's Melania Trump has been in this country longer than I have, near as I can tell, and can barely speak English. <laughs> I think she uses this to her advantage. Oh, for sure. I think this is just all part of a you know a big. Uh, oh yeah. I don't want to say a show, but I, I I definitely think she uses that to her advantage. Do you really? I yeah. Just I mean, she speaks five that. languages. She's very very smart. I think that accent could be gone in a second if she choose made the choice for it to be. So why does she use it then? Uh, I think because it's exotic. I think because it's engaging. Yeah. I think that it's distracting. It's a little bit distracting. Yeah. Absolutely. I, it, it all goes back to being a master of chaos. I think these guys are brilliant in yeah. their, you know, crazy like a fox is a term that comes to mind. Uh, but I really am. I like I said, I love sitting back and watching people who mm. are very, very entitled. Mm. Uh, react to change in a way that they just, they, they can't comprehend the change. And I'll tell you, it's because they've been raised on social issues as the main agenda of the United States. No, and you are going to see that change. That's one thing that will change for sure. When you have, um, I would say from 18 to about 30, they've been raised that social issues are the most important things that the United States faces. Climate change, abortion. Uh, racism, mm-hmm. immigration, all of these things are social issues. And the pendulum has swung back to uh, commerce and industry and uh, debt, more nuts and bolts kind of in the weed stuff that isn't as sexy to follow. It's mm-hmm. not as easy for Madonna to complain about. You know what I mean? And that's why you're getting the reaction that you're getting. And And I think that if he's able to use this uh, this focus on industry and focus on American jobs and, and getting rid of NAFTA and T- TPP, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if he can do this and do it quickly, everybody's going to have more money in their pocket. And all of a sudden, these social issues are not going to be as important. And that's, and that's but, where I think yeah. he's going to win if he can pull it off. And it's I a think, big if. Yeah, and I think that might be – that's probably the headline. And I would just I would just say – 
you know, in, in economics, right, you can't just have some increase in one place without a decrease in another, sure. right, or an effect in another. And that's sure. where it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, yeah, you may have more money in your pocket, but that money's gonna, you know, it's gonna cost more to fill up your gas, gonna cost more to you oh, know, buy groceries. That, that, it's gonna that, sure. Cost. So anyway, it's one of those things where, you know, law of unintended consequences. Who knows what's gonna happen as a result of the policies? But I would say in the end, for those that are listening, you know, there's a couple lessons to take. I think the first, the first lesson is, right, when you're, when you're looking at how you deal with the situation, how you react to something, make sure you're, you're paying attention to whether it's emotional or whether it's rational. And everybody knows what, knows that the rational always i hate you know pardon the pun but it always trumps the emotion you know the, <laughs> the emotion that was terrible i was um, we should have had a bet on which one of us was going to say that first. i know we're going to totally <laughs> use that a lot this year but or four years yeah. so yeah so i would say you know that's the that's the first lesson the other lesson is really try to understand uh you know what you can control and what you can influence and we've talked about that but before those are those are lessons i think you can take that to all aspects of of life but right now you know i would say there is definitely a divide in our in our country and oh, is trump the one to to bridge that i don't i don't know i i it's going to be it's going to be a very difficult but i don't think that's part of his agenda i think his agenda is to you know get money back in people's pockets and I'm hoping that you know now the listen, twenty, man, the now 20 trillion dollars of debt and the half a trillion dollars of spending doesn't you're, get you're in his way. You're an economist. You don't think this is just you know you you know people so well. Mm-hmm. You study people. You should see if you're listening right now. You should see the amount of time this man spends on understanding people. Mm-hmm. There's a it, it's it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you knowing people the way that you do, if people have more money in their pocket and they can go out and do more things, how pissed do you think they're going to be about abortion? Huh. Nope. They're just not. You're going to have, you're going to have fringe elements that will always have that. But I think by and large, the mass, you know, the, the, the critical mass of the United States is just going to go back to work mm-hmm. and they're just going to go live their lives. Yep. And you're not going to have this anger and this venom. I think six weeks from now, I don't think you're going to have it. I really don't. I, I, in a way, I kind of hope we do. Yep. Because that'll show me that these people are truly committed. I just, I, maybe I'm too jaded. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and I, and, and my thing is, I mean, I agree with you. I think that's what his intention is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if what he has inherited will allow him to do that. Just because it is, it's just incredible how much, uh, money is in circulation. Mm-hmm. It's how much money is in, uh, is in bank reserves with with the Fed, how much debt there is on the balance sheet of the Fed, Mm -hmm. how much debt our country has, uh, the unfunded liabilities of Medicare, Social Security, uh, the pension problem, which we talked about a few weeks ago, where you have... Which is looming and getting bigger. CalPERS. I mean, it's you look at, you know, the estimates, you know, four to five trillion dollars of underfunded pensions. There's so many issues at hand I don't know if that that type of pressure will allow his agenda and his initiative. It, it, okay, it could, but I would say I you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. He may be to, shackled by the weight of all yeah, of this, and I and saying. he's made some comments on the campaign trail where 
You know, and I don't think there's another alternative. I, I, I really don't, which is there has to be some sort of restructuring of debt or default. And that's, that sounds really bad, but I just default don't see. Meaning us defaulting against other countries? Like, yeah, defaulting like, on our, it's not like you can default against another country. You can default on. Well, if they on, hold a lot of our debt, then we don't make the But debt if you payments. default on debt for them, you have to default on debt for everybody. It's not just. I see. Okay. But I wouldn't say it's default. It's, they're going to call it like a restructure or some, something like that. They'll but, come up with a flowery name. I don't know. I, that, I think that is, the, this looming question mark that I have is what's going to happen there. And it's not just... That's really ominous, dude, 20, and kind of scary. It's the, you, know, you have $20 trillion of that you have... You know, hopefully, you can balance the budget so they stop spending right. more than they make. But I would also say, you, know, you look at Social Security, you look at Medicare, you look... It's just... It doesn't... Numbers don't add up, and that's where I'm curious to see what his plan is. What his plan is, or I haven't looked too much into it, but that's what I'm going to be paying attention to: is 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 the debt going to go up? Is it going to go down? What's going to be the impact of more money? Are people actually going to spend it? What's going to happen with trade deficits? What with prices? I mean, there's a lot of different things I'm going to be paying attention to this year. But it's going to. But I think the disruption is just fascinating to to witness and see what he's oh, going yeah. to do. You know, you know what's cool for me to see too is that um, it, with you in particular. He's a really polarizing guy. Uh, people absolutely love him, and their their passion for him has been galvanized by the behavior of the people that don't. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have this really polarized country, and you are one of those rare people. And, and tell me if I'm wrong. You strike me as somebody that is completely on the fence. Where you're like, hey, verdict's out. Let's just see what happens here. There are things that I like. There are things that I don't like. But ultimately, I want to. I think I'm on the I, fence with a lot of stuff. Are you? And, I, and I and I learned. Yeah, I just think taking sides, mm-hmm. you know, you're taking sides with people. People always screw things up. So it's kind of like you take a side with a person, they could totally switch. And now you're like, okay, well, what do I do? I'm committed. Yeah, I'm committed. So either I'm going to go follow them down the rabbit trail or. Yeah. Uh, so that's where I'm, I'm always. And we use, you know, I, I love to use the whole three sides of the coin conversation. Ah, which is, Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. So it's the whole, you know, the, the heads, the tails and the edge. Right. And so right. if you understand both sides. Now you can make the best decision. But I think if you, you know, get into one camp or get into another, I, I think there's, yeah, you're, there's some opportunity cost and some, I hate to, you know, I'm overusing the idea of unintended consequences, but, uh, there definitely is. So. All so right. The, well, yeah, we, but I can't wait for this year. It's going to be a cool. It's going to be a cool year. Definitely a lot of topics, a lot of stuff. He's just going to like shake, shake crap up. Well, you know, here on the on the Well Standard on the Well Standard podcast, we uh, we're going to be talking about you know a lot of different things, uh, infinite banking and real estate and and all the stuff that we usually talk about. But because we are in really historic times, we are going to be spending some time talking about these different issues as they arise and how they will apply to families or how they will apply to women or mm-hmm. how they will apply business. to middle-aged white guys yep. uh, or inner cities, uh, you know, business. Everyone. So there are, there. you're going to get a lot of talk about the government and about Trump and about, you know, the foibles and, and quirks and things like that that he has. So uh, I hope that's something that people find interesting because uh, we would we would love your feedback and we would love to know uh, what you're thinking about this good bad or indifferent we want to know absolutely uh, and you can always hit us back on Facebook uh, and uh, we've got comment sections on the well standard uh, page wellstandard.com and uh, and of course at paradigm life and on my Twitter at DJ Jimmy Chunga there's uh, Patrick you I know need your do, Twitter? I, need to do, I need to do better at my my Twitter 
You, you really do. I have somebody like do stuff for me, which sound, which doesn't come across as very genuine. Well, so we, I need to change. You're that a busy up. man, but we do need to get you to change. That yeah, I know. Sure. I, it's kind of one of those like. Yeah. Anyway, we I'll do. I'll do better. I'll make a commitment this year to 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 do at least a tweet. Uh, at least two. a tweet or, or two. That's he's an ambitious guy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, well, it's it's yeah. This has been a good. It's been a good good topic. There's gonna be a lot more to come from kind of this this whole idea. Because my my thing is, I, I want to look at all the news, what's going on, what people are saying, and then just kind of try to read between the lines. Maybe use this podcast as that. As well, that and venue, I would love to but. bring feedback that people will leave us uh, for the Well Standard, and then share that feedback in in following shows. Cool. That sounds so. good, man. All right, let's uh, let's end for today. Hope you guys have an awesome week, and uh, we will be back next week with some scintillating content. Whoa! <laughs> Yikes! Did you like that one? Yeah, that was very impressive. All right. All right, everyone, have a good week. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast, the gold standard in all things financial. <laughs>